Hello everyone and welcome. So I have to do the intro a little differently today. I'm sure you've all noticed I changed the name of the podcast. It's the Charlie Kessler Show. I know a lot of you are wondering why. It's simple. The name Charlie's grown on me. My legal name is Charles. Growing up, everyone called me Charlie when I was a toddler, even a baby, up until about, I would say I was probably six, five or six, I think six years old. I told everyone, call me Charles. I liked that better at the time. And everyone's called me Charles up until about recently, I've been getting some Charlies every so often. And I heard it, it's got a nice ring to it. The name has grown back onto me. So I'm going by Charlie now. So I decided to change the name of the podcast. I felt, why keep it the Charles Kessler Show if I'm going by Charlie? I made the change. Luckily, I don't have a lot of podcasts out, like a lot of podcast episodes out. So it wasn't too difficult of a marketing change. You will notice, for all of you out there that listen, you'll notice my first three episodes, although I changed it to the Charlie Kessler Show, I didn't change any of the audio. So the first three episodes will still come up when I, if you ever go back and listen to it, you'll notice my intros in my introductions and my intros for them. I say, welcome to the Charles Kessler Show. I'm your host, Charles Kessler. That won't be anymore. Now it's, it's going to be, the intro is going to be, welcome to the Charlie Kessler Show. I'm your host, Charlie. But I didn't feel like going back and changing those audios. Because if I want to change those audios... It was, I'm not great at editing. So for some of you out there, it might have been easy. But for me, I was having trouble. I didn't want to accidentally delete anything or whatnot. So I decided to just keep it. For all you out there that know me, that are listening, you can still call me Charles. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to get angry with you. I prefer Charlie now, and that's how I'm going by. You know, if I sign anything or I introduce myself, it's going to be Charlie. But for people that know me, that have had, that have known me for a while, I'm not going to make you change back to Charlie. You call me Charles. It's fine. Charlie and Charles are the same thing. But for anyone out there that's just met me or f- going forward, if I meet anyone, you know, for a job, friend, whatever. I'm going by Charlie. But enough about that. I know you guys are probably thinking, why is he going into so much detail? That's not why we're here. I just wanted to explain what the change, you know, why why there was a change, where it's coming from, what's with the change in the podcast name. But is now the Charlie Kessler show. That is it. So the new ho- the new like I said, the new introductions will be Welcome to the Charlie Kessler Show. I'm your host, Charlie. So, that's your introduction for tonight. Let's get right into it. So, I'm going to talk baseball. I was planning on coming to you with my take on the Super Bowl, but I wanted to follow that up with some some Giants talk, who I like in the draft wide receiver-wise, who I like free agent market linebacker and cornerback-wise, because those are some needs too. And I didn't have everything put together. And I like to come to you guys with a put together show. I didn't want to I don't want to give you guys crap. 
want to give you a good show. So I figured I would flip-flop flop it. I was going to do Super Bowl and football talk tonight, and then baseball talk since there's not a lot going on in the baseball world a few days from now. But I flip-flopped it so I could give you a more complete show for baseball and football purposes. So tonight we're going to talk MLB baseball and Mets baseball. So I want to talk MLB baseball first, specifically on the rule changes. So as we all know, there's some rule changes going on that will be implemented this season. The first one I want to talk about is the, the banning of the shift. And I couldn't be more excited about this rule. I couldn't be more happy about this rule. I think this rule was long overdue. Here's my take on the shift. I didn't want to see it fully banned, but I felt like there was no gray area and they had to go about doing so. I was all for shifting players around a little bit, but it got a little too extreme when you had everyone on the right side of the field. It was it was just insane. When they would you'd move the third baseman, the Padres would do it a lot with Machado. You'd move the third baseman over and you have everyone on the right side of the field. And my original thought was always, as a batter, just bunt. And you could probably have a double. And it's not, it shouldn't be that big of a deal to the batter. If you can't lay a bunt down, I know it's hard. There's a reason why I'm talking to you guys and not playing. But for the players, if you can't lay down, lay down a bunt when they're giving you the whole left side of the field to work with, if you can't lay down a bunt, what do you do in the MLB? I mean, come on, they're giving you an easy double, easy single, and a chance, I should rephrase that, an easy single, a chance at a double, if you're faster. But then I felt like the shifts got too extreme. Like I said, the, the Padres with Machado were, were very extreme with this, where it was almost like Machado was playing shallow right field. They positioned him behind the second baseman, close to the foul line, and it, it was very strange. So I, I was okay with the shifts originally. Like if, if you want to move your shortstop over to behind second base, stuff like that. But then I felt like it was getting too extreme with the you moving your shortstop to behind second base. Okay, then you're moving your left fielder over to like behind second base. I, I just thought it got way too extreme, way too extreme. And I felt like even though I feel like you should be able to lay a bunt down and... You should have a single or work with it. Another uh, another piece of that is Jeff McNeil does this great. If you shift on him, he's going to find a hole and he's going to hit the ball in that direction. So although I feel like players can beat the shift and it's actually not that hard to do it, for me it is obviously, but for them, it's not that hard for them to do it. But with that being said, I thought the shifts got too extreme and you were taking away specifically from the left-hand batters that their numbers are power. They have pop in their bat. Like a Joey Gallo, do you really think he wants to be bunting? No, he's got pop in his bat. And you're taking hits away from him because of these extreme, extreme shifts. So I'm happy with the new rules. I'm sure you're all familiar with it, but if you're not, you have to have two players on both sides of second base with at least one foot in the dirt. So you have to have your third baseman and shortstop on one side of second base and your first baseman, second baseman on the other side, second base. Now, if you want to play them 
the third baseman and shortstop close together or far out. That's up to you. If you want to play one you know, in and one you know, deep almost to the outfield, you can. But both, there has to be two players on each side of second base and one for each player, one foot has to be in the infield dirt. And I think that's great. I think that's great. Another rule, I mean, the this shift is what I'm I'm most excited about. Because I'm I'm all in favor for it. It's it, the shift has gone too far. And I'm a big fan, like I said, I'm a big fan of look, it's all about what baseball's all about strategics, and I love that. It's all about the numbers. Well, this guy's probability to hit it to this side of the field is a 40% chance. Well, we got to bring some players over here. I love it. But I felt like MLB, some teams were getting too extreme with the shift. And it was taking away from the game, I felt like, at times. So I'm happy about that. The second rule I want to talk about, the second change I want to talk about, is the bigger basis. Now, I'm in favor of this. I do like this rule. The, ba- base, the bases, first, second, and third, are getting a speck bigger. I don't have the exact amount in, di- in, in size difference. It's, it's very similar. It's, it's only a speck bigger. Like I said, I don't have the exact number of size difference, but it's only a speck bigger. But I feel like this can really help with base stealing, and that's a lost art in today's game. Growing up, Diehard Mets fan. I still am a diehard Mets fan, obviously. But growing up, I've always been a diehard Mets fan. And my favorite player watching, believe it or not, was Jose Reyes. Now, I'm not saying he was the best Met at the time. Obviously, David Wright was better. But there was something about Jose Reyes. I love watching him play. It was exciting. And one thing that really had me in awe over him was his base stealing. I always, Growing up, I always loved watching players steal bases. That always excited me, and I feel like nowadays that is a lost art. You don't see people, st- you don't see players stealing a lot of bases. You don't, and I guess third base is tough to steal, but you're not even seeing a lot of people attempt to steal second base. They're not, and they're not successful when they do. So I feel like because of how much this sport has generated profit-wise off of the home runs, I feel like everyone's worried about. That's how I'm going to get my next payday. Hit a lot of home runs. And because of that, some of the little things, like the stolen bases, have taken a back seat and have really regressed over time. So I think these bigger bags, which are only a slight difference in size, but I feel like that will help with base stealing, something that I think could get a lot of people excited about this game. I always love base stealing, and I want to see more of it. And I always wondered why. Why? A perfect example is Brandon Nimmo. He has the speed. I always wondered why he didn't steal. Maybe this role will get him to be more, you know, more inclined to maybe steal a base here and there. You know, so I, I'm really excited about that. I'm more excited about the shift, but I'm excited about the bigger bases because, like I said, the stealing is a big part of baseball. You know, look at what Ricky Henderson did. No one will beat his record of. He finished his, his career with, what, 1,406 stolen bases, I believe. That was the number, but it's over 1,400. No one will beat that. But you know how fun, for for the older audience that watched him, think about how fun he was to watch. So I, I'm hoping this helps 
with the stolen bases because the stolen bases, the numbers are down. Just look it up for yourself. They're down. So, and I feel like every year they keep getting, it keeps getting worse and worse. The number keeps going down even more. So, this will definitely help. And that's exciting, you know. And MLB, I'm not surprised at making this change. You notice that the first two changes I said has to do with offense. There's a reason. Because the more offense, the more... MLB, at least, they feel the more offense, the more exciting it is for fans to watch. And they're going to be more interested. Now, me personally, I'm okay with a one nothing game where there was only three total hits and you had a pitcher's duel. I'm okay with that. I love baseball regardless of how it comes. I don't really have a preference. I love games where it might be 8-7 to seven and there were a lot of runs scored, and that may be my preference. I would probably rather watch a game where there's, you know, where it's it's 5-4. to four. That's a little bit more realistic. 5-4, to four, and there were a lot, of, a lot of runs scored, a lot of stolen bases, home runs, than a one nothing game and it was a pitcher's duel. But I could sit there and watch the one nothing game where there's three total hits and it was pitcher's duels or pitcher's duel and I can appreciate that and enjoy watching that. A lot of fans nowadays can't. Like I said, I could sit there on the couch and watch a baseball game. Let's say the Mets are playing the Phillies and the Mets win one nothing. It was a pitcher's duel between Scherzer and Nola. Three total hits and the Mets come out on top one nothing. I could sit there and not only appreciate that game, but enjoy every second of it. But a lot of fans nowadays, because MLB's trying to bring fans into the game. MLB's trying to grow the sport. And a lot of people that aren't into baseball, they're not going to want to sit there and watch a pitcher's duel. Like I said, I'm more than okay with watching that. But a lot of people out there that may be into football, or basketball that aren't into baseball, they're not going to want to sit there and watch that. They're going to want to see offense. So MLB's trying to implement these rules to to get more offense out of each team. So the third rule doesn't really have to do with scoring more runs. It has to do with speeding up the game, and that's the pitch clock. Moving forward, pitchers will have 15 seconds to throw a pitch, with no runners on base. But if there are runners on base, that gets bumped up to 20 seconds for a pitcher to throw a pitch. Now, it doesn't change if bases are loaded or there's only one runner on. If there's runners on, they have 20 seconds. No runners on, 15 seconds to throw a pitch. Now, what this is going to do is this is going to speed up the game. What they're saying is they've tried this in the minor leagues already. And they're saying it could speed up a game up to 20 minutes. So instead of the game taking three hours, it may take two hours and 40 minutes. Now, personally, I don't necessarily care for this rule. I don't, I'm torn on it. I, but I'm leaning more towards I don't care for this rule. Because one thing that does drive me crazy is I've seen it with batters. They'll get out of the batter's box and they'll, David Wright used to do this all the time. David Wright, and I love David Wright. Let me let me make sure I'm on the record. I love David Wright. You know, every Mets fan loves David Wright. I've never met a Mets fan that didn't love David Wright. We all love David Wright. 
I love David Wright. So don't anyone listening, don't get this twisted. But one thing that he used to do that drove me crazy was he would get out of the batter's box and adjust both of his gloves. Then he'd get back, back in the batter's box. And he could take the pitch, right? He, let's just say he leaves his bat on the shoulder. You know what he'd do? He'd get out of the batter's box and adjust his gloves again. Do you know how annoying that is? You know how frustrating that is to see? It annoyed me so much. I love David Wright. And you know what he was? He was such a, a great player at the time and such a, a blessing to our beloved Mets franchise that he could do that every pitch and it's whatever. I'm not going to get too annoyed about it. But, and I'm just using him as an example. Other players did it. But it's annoying. It drives me crazy. So from that standpoint, I like it. Because you don't need to keep adjusting your gloves and keep adjusting your bat. You take the pitch, step out, take a practice swing, get back in the box. It it shouldn't take as long as it has. It shouldn't take you 10 seconds, 15 seconds to adjust the pitch. And then the pitcher's got to sit there and pick his pitch. And now it's taking almost a minute sometimes, it feels like. So from that point, I'm in favor of it. But I'm not in favor of trying to speed up the game. If the game takes three hours, let it take three hours. Everyone says baseball games are too long. Well, if you think baseball games take too long, if you think there's too many games in a season, well, then you just don't love baseball, and that's okay. But I'm tired of MLB trying to cater to everyone that doesn't like baseball because there's people out there like me and you guys, too, that are listening that are into baseball, whether you're a Mets fan like me or you're a fan of another team. They're hurting the people interested because I don't mind if it takes a few extra seconds in between each each pitch. I don't care for the pitchers being timed. I don't care if the, if I have to sit there an extra 20 minutes to watch the game. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I want to watch as much baseball as I can. The game takes three hours instead of three hours instead of two hours and forty minutes. For me, I'm okay with that, and I I just feel like MLB is trying to. I know they're trying to grow the sport, but they're catering too much to people that aren't even into baseball, and they're hurting the people that are into baseball. I I get from that standpoint. Like I said, the pitch clock it makes sense because we don't need to keep adjusting our gloves and whatnot. But if the game takes an extra twenty minutes, for me, I'm more than okay with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. I'm happy if the game takes extra 20 minutes. That's 20 minutes more baseball I get to watch. There's 20 more minutes of Mets baseball I get to sit there and enjoy and see and watch. I want that. And the new rule that was announced today, and it's just like what I'm talking about, the hurting the people that are already into baseball, is the runner on second. So starting, it, it was announced five hours ago. I saw it on Twitter through Fox Sports. That's what I saw, saw at first, Fox Sports. But MLB is making the extra inning ghost runner rule permanent. From here on out, it's permanent. So for those, those of you that aren't familiar with the rule, which I'm sure all you are, but if you're not familiar with the rule, what MLB did was they said, around COVID, when COVID hit, they wanted to speed up the games. So, what they did was, in extra innings, they put a runner on second. So, the top of the 10th 
bottom of the 10th, if he got to the top 11th, every extra inning, the each team would start with a runner on second. And what they found was by doing so, it was very rare to see a game go into the 11th inning. Usually it was resolved in the 10th. And if it wasn't, it was very rare to see it not be resolved in the the 11th. So you saw games not really go past that bottom of the 11th inning. It didn't really go into the 12th inning. And they found it sped up the game. Now, I don't want them to speed up the game. I'm okay with sitting there watching an 18-inning game, a 20-inning game. I think the extra the extra inning runner on second rule is ridiculous. It ruins the strategy to the game. Because now you're basically just giving you're giving the home team, first of all, an unfair advantage. Because if they find a way to get outs in the top of the tenth, all they need is a single and they win. That's what I explain to people all the time. The home team gets a way, extremely unfair advantage with the runner on second in extra innings. Because you find a way to get a few outs in the top of the tenth and they don't score a run your opponent, you go into the bottom of the 10th, and all you need is a single or a bunt and a sack fly, and you win. How fair is that after playing nine innings of hard-fought baseball to end it like that? I think it gives the home team unfair advantage, and it just it takes a strategy away from the game of the, you know, okay, do should I start using pinch hitters here, if someone gets on a, a pinch runner, do I need him for maybe the 12th or 13th or 14th inning? How should I address my bullpen? There's a lot to it. Then now you're taking away. Now I get it. The players probably wanted it too. Obviously MLB wants it. But I'm sure the players want it too because it means they can play you know, shorter games. Like there's, there's no 18 inning, 20 inning game. But me as a fan, I, I love sitting there watching a, a 13, 14, 14, a 15, 16, 17, and 18. You know, I, I love watching those kind of games. You know, obviously you don't want to see a game go into 18 innings every night. But if it went to 18 innings every once in a blue moon, that's really cool. And now you're taking that away because no game's going into the 18th inning with runner on second. So I think it's stupid, and I get it. What MLB's trying to do with some of these rules is they're trying to get the people that aren't into baseball into baseball. They're trying to make it interesting for them. A lot of people, I've heard this from other people. You know, I, I know, I work with a, f- a few guys in the office, in my office, that aren't into baseball. And I always say to them, when they tell me, when I first found out they weren't into baseball, I told them, I said, you're missing out. It's it's a great sport. But if you're not into it, it's fine. It's not for everyone. But what's your reason? And there's one, one of the guys that I work in the office, he's told me more than once. He says, I don't want to sit there and watch, you know, a, a five-hour, 14-inning game. I don't want to to see that. So what MLB is trying to do is the people that say, look, I don't want to sit there four and a half hours and watch a 15-inning, 14-inning game. MLB wants to make the games more, first of all, more offense so it gets you excited for the people that aren't into it. Secondly, shorter games so the people that aren't into it because they feel the games are too long will 
become into baseball and see that the games are shorter. And with the runner on second, now if it goes into extra innings, you're giving everyone a taste of the extra innings, but it's not really going deep into extra innings, making the game shorter in that aspect too. So MLB is trying to make the games about more offense and shorter and trying to get the people that aren't into baseball or sitting on the fence into baseball. And I get why they're trying to do it because they're a business at the end of the day. I know that we are all big fans and we love it, but just like every sport, they're a business and they want to make more money. No money's enough for them. They want to make more money and they see this as a possibility. If they implement all these rules, more offense, shorter games, more interest, more money. But with that being said, by them doing that, they're hurting the people out there like me that can't get enough of baseball, love baseball, and and are okay with the the traditional rules. No runner on second to start extra innings. And if that means we go into eighteen innings, so be it. You know, if it's if there's less offense and it's a pitcher's duel, that's fine. So be it. You know, I I I don't get it. There, I I I know they want to grow the business. You know, and I hate calling that MLB a business because I look at it as a sport, as a fan, but it's a business. I know they want to grow the business. They're treating it just like Pepsi treats their business. They, they All these companies, they want to grow their business. MLB wants to grow their business. But you're hurting the people out there like me because I don't want to see a runner on second in the top of the 10th. I don't want to see pitchers get timed. I'm okay if it's a one nothing game. Why are we catering? And the MLB will make all these changes, and the people that are trying to get interested in baseball won't even watch it anyway. And then you're hurting people like me who watch all my Mets games. I watch almost every Mets game every year. If there's 162 games, I'm watching 90% of them. I can't get enough of my Mets baseball. And you're hurting me by trying to get someone else that's not interested in it yet to watch baseball who probably won't watch it anyway. So, I get it from their standpoint, but I don't. I, I overall don't get it because you're hurting the, the diehard fans like me and for any of my other listeners out there. You're hurt, they're hurting us just to try to get fan, other fans interested in it. That won't because the guy I talked to in the office, it's the MOB because he says that his, his complaint is the games are too long, which I told you. But his, his complaint is also that the there's too long of a season. But guess what? If MLB changed to two games a week, 50-game season, and only two-hour games, and it was timed, no innings, it was timed. Like, if MLB completely changed the rules, this guy that I talked to in the office still probably won't watch a baseball game. So that's my point. So they're trying to cater to people like him, and they're not going to watch it anyway. So why bother? One of the things I, the thing that I love about baseball the most is the tradition. I love the tradition aspect. I feel like MLB's changing too much, and it's still a traditional sport with all its rules. It, baseball's all about tradition. I still feel like it's about tradition, but I feel like they're, they're coming close to the point where I, where I feel like they're taking a lot of tradition away from the sport and I feel like that's what that's what grew the sport, tradition. And with them changing all these rules, they're taking the tradition 
out of it. I feel like that's baseball's trademark for people like me that are really into it. So I know I spent most of tonight, or pretty much all of tonight, talking MLB and the rules and the changes in the rules. I want to finish up with Mets baseball. And it's that time of the year where it gets a little dry. You know, that middle to the end, you know, middle to the end of January. And then that beginning to the middle of February, there's not a lot going on. Not a lot of big signings, not a lot of trades, not a lot of, you know, the news. There's no games going on. There's not a lot going on at all. That's that dry spell for, for MLB baseball. But now that the Super Bowl is over, baseball season has officially begun. And I want to talk some Mets baseball. Now, I couldn't be more excited about this team. I think this team has a higher ceiling than the Mets team last year that won 101 games. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to win 101, 101 games or more this year. But if everything goes well, I do believe they have a higher ceiling and could win more games than the 2022 Mets team. And they won 101. So I'm really, really, really happy with this roster the Mets have put together. You know, I talked about it in my first podcast with the Mets. The pitching rotation is their strength to this team. You know, you, you lost to Grom. It was a bummer. But you replaced him with Verlander. And he was the best guy out there. And I think he's even better right now. If you're going, if you're going off the numbers from last season, he's even better than DeGrom. So you replace DeGrom with someone who's better. Now, I like DeGrom better than Verlander. I would have rather had DeGrom than Verlander. I'm not saying his numbers were better than Verlander's, but he was homegrown. He was my favorite Met. I would have rathered him, but if we're going off of the numbers and we're not being biased, you you replaced DeGrom with a better pitcher. And you only got 10 starts from him last season. So this Mets, this Mets pitching staff, as long as they all stay healthy, and that's, that's a big if because you do have some concerns with Scherzer and Verlander's age. You do have some concerns with Carrasco. Can he stay healthy? Me, personally, I think McGill should get that fifth spot, not Carrasco. But McGill has some injury concerns, too, going off of last season. He missed most of the years with with an injury. So you do have some concerns. Sanga, they're saying his, his physical was iffy with the Mets. Can he stay healthy? So you have a lot of ifs. But I do believe most of these guys, if not all of them, can stay healthy. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. But I personally don't have any concerns with Scherzer or Verlander. I think they could stay healthy. I don't know enough about Sanga's physical to know how concerning it is. All I heard was he had an iffy physical. I don't know how iffy it was. And I know that he had some concerns over in Japan before he left when he was pitching there. So Sanga I'm a little bit more concerned with. Scherzer and Verlander, they've shown no signs of slowing down. I'm not worried about them. Carrasco, I'm not too worried about because I think McGill gets that fifth spot anyway. I'm a little concerned about Sanga, I'm going to be honest with you, but his ceiling is exceptional. If he can stay healthy and he pitches to his potential, the Mets will be just fine. I, he, if he pitches to his potential and stays healthy, he's better than Bassett. 
Not by a lot, but he's a little better than Bassett if he pitches to his potential. One thing I'm really excited to see is what Hefner does with Sanga. Jeremy Hefner was not a fan of him when he, was, when he pitched for the Mets, but I've been nothing but impressed and ecstatic with the way he's coached the pitching staff since the Mets hired him. He's been a great pitching coach, an absolute, I'm, I'm shocked with how great he's done. Again, I didn't think that he didn't have the knowledge. I just, I knew he had pitching knowledge. Even if you're not that good to get to the major leagues and pitch, you, you have something. And he was able to come up to the big leagues and pitch. So clearly I knew he had the knowledge, but I didn't think he would be this good of a pitching coach. He's been nothing but great. And I think he's going to get a lot out of Sanga. I'm really excited about that. But that's the Mets' strength. Another thing is bullpen-wise, like I told you in the first podcast, the Mets could use another arm for their bullpen. I don't think their bullpen is fully complete. But I do think their bullpen is better than last season, and their bullpen was pretty good last season. If the Mets go into the season with no more changes to their bullpen, they'll be fine. I just think that they could use one more arm. It doesn't hurt. I was really upset to see Andrew Chafin get the $6.5 million and go to the Diamondbacks because that's a deal I think the Mets could have done. The Mets, in my opinion, should have given him that deal. If you if you all did not hear, he got a one-year $6.5 million deal from the Diamondbacks. So that's where Andrew Chafin is headed. I wanted the Mets to get him. That was my top target for the Mets, bullpen-wise. And they said they didn't they didn't want to go after him or Britain. They wanted play they wanted to sign players where they could get on deals and put options on the deals. And I get that because you, you want you don't want to sign a guy to a reliever to a big deal one year. You want to be able to have options with them, player team options, you wanna have them the next season on a friendly friendly salary or you cut them. I get all that. But in my opinion, one year, $6.5 million is a bargain for the numbers he gave the Tigers last season. Absolute steal for the Diamondbacks. He gave, he, he pitched phenomenal last season. One of the best relievers in the game. I think the Mets could have gave him the one year, $6.5 million. I know that they got Rayleigh from the, from the Rays, and he's a lefty specialist. Very good lefty pitcher. But it doesn't hurt to have two. What if something happens? Injuries, whatnot. So I was a little disappointed to see the Mets not give him that offer. When the Mets said they didn't want him originally, I thought he might be getting $11, $12 million on a one- or two-year deal. Okay, that's a little up there for a reliever. But to get $6.5 million on a one-year deal, I think the Mets could have easily matched that, and they should have. But... The bullpen is still, in my opinion, not complete, but it's complete enough that they're, they'll be fine. And not even will they be fine, but they'll be pretty good. This bullpen is better than last season. And last season, a lot of Mets fans out there just complained and whined about the bullpen. Even at times, I found myself complaining and whining about the Mets bullpen. But if you looked at the numbers, the Mets bullpen last season was pretty darn good. And they've only gone better. So I am really excited with what this pitching staff, 
starting pitching and bullpen will do for the Mets. And I think they'll go as far as their pitching takes them. I think although the Mets lineup is no joke, I think their pitching is better. And I think the Mets will go as far as their pitching, both starting and bullpen takes them. The Mets lineup will definitely score some runs, no doubt about it. But if the pitching is struggling, the team will go cold and will struggle. Definitely, no doubt in my mind. If the pitching is hot, the Mets could struggle offensively and they'll still play well. The way this team is set up, not only are they set up to win right now, but they're set up to win through their pitching. If the Mets offense goes cold, which will happen, because you saw it last season, there were plenty of times where the Mets offense went cold. Lindor struggled, Alonzo struggled, McNeil, he didn't struggle a lot over the course of the season, but there were times where he struggled a little bit. It, Nimmo, he, there were times where he struggled a little bit. Escobar, go down the list. There were times where they were all struggling. And trust me, it's going to happen this year. I don't expect Lindor and Alonzo, McNeil, and Nimmo, and all these guys to stay hot all 162 games. They're going to go cold from time to time. But their pitching is designed where if this lineup goes cold, they'll still win games. Not all of them, but win plenty of games because of the elite pitching they could possibly have if everyone stays healthy and pitches the way they're supposed to. Now I am, like I said, I'm a little concerned about the DH spot. I like this Omar Narvaez pickup. I think he's not going to have a great bat. I don't think he's going to hit you 30 home runs, obviously, and bat you 285. But I do think he's better offensively than McCann, and I think he's a little bit better offensively than Nito. So in my opinion, with Omar, Omar Narvaez, not only did you get a slight improvement offensively in the catcher position, which was needed because you weren't getting any offense out of the catcher position, but you're getting a defensive whiz. He's no Yadier Molina, but he's very good defensively. He's known for his glove. So I feel a little bit better about the catcher position, and I do think Alvarez will come up at some point this season and make his presence known. I think it will be close to the All-Star break, but I do think he will make his presence known. But the DH spot, what are the Mets going to do? I don't believe Ruff has it in him. I know that Epler said... He's the same player he was a few years ago, and he was able to hit left, left-hand left pitching then, and even right-hand pitching then, or, or whatnot. So I, I know that they believe he could turn it around and hit, you know, left-hand pitching like he's supposed to. But I don't believe that he will. I don't. It was so ugly last year, so ugly. I can't shake the, the the some of the memories I have of him last season. Some of his at-bats. It was hideous. It, it's in the back of my mind. I don't trust him next season. Not Or this season. I, I'm saying next season like it's, it's still uh, December. Time flies. Now, I hope I'm wrong. I, you, hear, you heard it here first, guys. I'm not someone who needs to be right. I like to be right, but I tell people all the time, I'd rather see the Mets succeed and be wrong about something than see the Mets fail and be right about something. So in this case, I hope Ruff has a great season and the the 
the Mets win some games because of his offense, and I'm, I'm wrong about him. And I'll come on my podcast and admit that I was wrong. But if I'm being honest, I don't believe that he's going to be a good hitter for the Mets this season. And I'm a little skeptical on Vogelback. I know that he's got all this pop, and we saw it. I know he's got good eye. We saw it. But sometimes I feel like he was leaving his bat on the shoulder a little too much looking for walks. And there'd be pitches that were down the middle almost. And he probably could have taken it 500 yards deep if he wanted to. And instead he didn't swing because he was looking for a walk. And then he would end up striking out in that at bat. So I'm not sold on Vogelback just yet. And he's too one-dimensional for me. Now, I like him, and I think that he's he's a good player to have maybe on the bench and give him some DH at-bats. But my concern with him is he can't run. He's not fast. He can't play defense. I know that he could play some first base, but I would consider him a defensive liability. The only position he could play is first base, and I don't think he could even really do it that well. He is a DH. So I feel like he's just too one-dimensional. You're not going to get any base running out of him. You're certainly going to have to pinch run late in games for him. You're not going to get any defense out of him. He's strictly just offense, and his offense struggled a decent amount last season. Not as bad as Ruff, but struggled from time to time last season. And then you had Ruff, who was complete garbage last season. Sorry, Darren Ruff, but I'm calling it the way it is. And it looks like these are your two guys going into this season And although it's better than J.D. Davis and Dom Smith, like the Mets did in the beginning of last season, but it's it's not that good. And I feel like it's a hole in your lineup. Now, we'll see what they do with Vientos. I think he should should, um, start the season in AAA. I didn't love what I saw from him. I think he's just not ready yet. I think he's going to be something special in the MLB. I just don't think he's ready yet. I didn't love what I saw from him last season in the MLB. I know it's a small sample size. But I think you start him in, in AAA and maybe give him a shot at DH if Vogelback and Ruff struggling. But I wanted the Mets to address it in the offseason. They didn't. I don't know why they didn't, but they did not. And I thought it was a big miss for them. I know that they were consigned, they were, I'm saying consigned, I'm trying to say concerned with signing. So I know the Mets were concerned with re-signing some of these guys like Diaz, which they did, Nimmo, which they did, DeGrom, which they didn't. I know they were worried about other things. And other, you know, obviously I'd rather them re-sign Nimmo and have a DH problem than have a center field problem but address DH. But I felt like once they signed everyone, there were still decent pieces on the on the um, on the free agent market for DH that could have been signed and they didn't. But this this offense is still good. Don't get me wrong. But their pitching is what's going to carry them. If the pitching does well, the Mets will do well. And that's all there is to it. But. I'm really excited and really happy to see what this team has in store, right? But they have some tough competition. The Phillies did get better, as much as I hate to admit it. Man, I hate them so much. And I hate the Braves, too. You know, you guys, I'm, I think I hate the Braves even more, believe it or not. But Phillies and Braves, I hate you. And there's no, nothing personal, 
you know, I, I expect you guys to feel the same way about us Mets fans, you know. I I know you guys don't like the Mets, but and I don't take it personal, sir. It's a division thing. Rivals. So the Mets have competition with both the Phillies and Braves. The Phillies lineup is no joke now. They got Trey Turner, who is a superstar, and I thought they got him on a pretty fair deal. You know, they're not paying him a lot of money a year. You know, I think he was 20. It's under 30. It's like $28 million that they're paying him a year. That's a very team-friendly deal. Now, I know they're paying him into age 40, and who knows what it'll be like at age 40. Shortstops don't usually play until age 40, but for now, they got him on a very good deal. And you have Price Harper coming back. I don't know when his timetable for return is. I don't think he'll miss. See, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, so I don't want to just say a random time frame. I don't know when he's coming back. I, I'm assuming he's not going to be ready at the start of the season, right, because he had the Tommy John surgery or whatnot on the elbow. But he'll definitely be back, and that'll be a boost for the lineup. But you go, you look at their lineup between Harper when he comes back, Turner, Real Muto, Hoskins, who I don't like, but he's still a good player. You have Schwarber. I could go down the list. You have Baum. Their lineup is no joke. And they still have good pitching with Nola and Wheeler. I mean, people forget about their, their pitching, but their bullpen is a mess. And that's where I think the Mets could come in here. And if the Mets could really pound their bullpen like they did last season, I think the Mets could take them. But the Mets are going to have to work cut out for them. Because the Phillies, like I said, as much as I had to admit it, I just rattle off all their pieces. They have a, a, a good pitching rotation. They have a stacked lineup. But their weakness is their bullpen. So... We'll see if the Mets could take advantage of their weakness. And as for the Braves, the Braves already have the the great pitching staff. And they have the good bullpen. And they have a pretty good lineup. I mean, I think the Phillies lineup is more stacked than the Braves. But the Braves still have a pretty good lineup because they're signing all this young talent. And I want the MLB to investigate them. How are they getting these players on such team-friendly deals? I mean, these players are are being underpaid by a significant amount to stay with the Braves. What are they doing behind closed doors that they're getting all these guys on ridiculously team-friendly deals? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Everyone on that team is underpaid. Everyone on their lineup is on in their lineup is underpaid. It's it's insane. But their lineup is still good. Like I said, the Phillies lineup is better, but the Braves lineup is pretty good. Their pitcher rotation is very good. Their bullpen is pretty good. So, I think the, the Braves are a more complete team than the Phillies. But I think the Phillies have a more stacked lineup. And they're going to score more runs than the Braves. So, the Mets definitely have their work cut out for them. It's not going to be easy. Last year was tough. And this year is going to be tougher. Because last year, I know the Phillies end up went, ended up going to a World Series. But last year, through the course of the season, it was really just a race between the Mets and the Braves. And unfortunately, the Mets lost that race. But 
for the Mets, they only had to go up against really the Braves' team. Like, the Marlins were not competing like usual, rebuilding like every other year. The Nationals, same thing. They're rebuilding. They weren't competing. And the Phillies were not playing as well as we thought they were going to. Right, I thought the the Mets were going to have their cut their work cut out for them between both the Braves and the Phillies. I thought the Mets were going to win the division last year, but I thought that they were definitely going to have a, a tough time against the Braves, and I thought the Phillies were going to play the Mets harder than they did. So, I really thought it was going to be a three team race, and I thought the Mets were going to win it, but the Mets were going to win it on like the the second to last day of the season. It was going to be tough. But last year that wasn't the case. The Mets had a two, it was a two team race, and the Mets unfortunately lost it. This year is what I thought it was going to be last year. I still think the Mets are going to win the division. I'm not jinxing them. I'm, I'm. But you heard it here first. I think the Mets are going. I think the Mets are going to win the division. And a lot of you out there are probably thinking he's only saying that because he's a Mets fan. He's being biased. Well, yeah, there might be a little bias towards it because. I'm never going to root against the Mets. I bleed blue and orange. I will always root for the Mets, regardless of the case, regardless of how bad they're playing. I go into every day thinking they can and will win tonight. And I I love them and I believe in them. So yeah, a little bit of it might be biased. But overall, I think the Mets have the best team out of all three teams. I, th- I think the Mets have the strongest pitching staff, the strongest bullpen. I think the Mets lineup is close enough to the Phillies and Braves that they'll be okay. So I I know it sounds a little biased, but I truly believe the Mets will win the NL East this year. I'm not just saying it because I'm a Mets fan. Yes, part of it is because I believe the Mets will win the win every game they play and they'll win the 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 division every year. And, and make noise in the playoffs. I, I, I believe in my team every year, even if they're not going to be good, even if they have a bad roster. But I do believe the Mets team this year has a higher ceiling than last year's, and they won 101 games. So I do believe it's not just bias. I do believe the Mets will win the NL East. I mean, look at, look at their lineup. Look at their pitching rotation. They won 101 games last year, and they weren't this good. The Braves won 101 games, yes, but they got worse, in my opinion, by a little bit. The Mets got substantially better, and they won 101 games. So, again, the Mets will have their work cut out for them. The Phillies, as much as I hate them and as much as I hate to admit it, they're no joke. And the Braves, as much as I hate them, as much as I hate to admit it, they're no joke. Just like last year, they're going to be tough. But the Mets definitely can take on the Phillies. They can. Like I said, the Mets pitching staff and bullpen are better than the Phillies. And I think the Mets have a better manager than the Phillies. So the Phillies might have an edge in the lineup, but I think the Mets check the other three boxes. Starting rotation, bullpen, and manager. And as for the Mets against the Braves, I think the Mets have a better manager. I think the Mets have a better bullpen. And I think the Mets you could argue have a better pitching rotation. The lineup, not as good, just like the Mets versus Phillies case. The Phillies lineup's better than the Mets. The Braves lineup is better than the Mets. But the Mets lineup is close enough to both that they'll be okay. 
right, the the Mets strengths the pitching rotation in the bullpen, and they have a better pitching rotation bullpen than both the Phillies and the Braves, and I think it's by a large margin. But that's it for tonight. I don't want to I I don't want to start talking in circles. I feel like I I'm starting to repeat a little bit from what I said my first podcast about the Mets with the lineup, and I'm going to start repeating myself about. How the Mets will win the NL East, I believe. And it's not just about bias. You know, it's not just a biased opinion because I'm a Mets fan. But I'm going to wrap that up for tonight. Again, I wish I had a little bit more on on Mets baseball tonight. I know it was a little dry and it wasn't super thought out, it seems like. And it was a spec repetitive compared to my other podcast. But like I told you, this is a dry spell. I don't have a lot of Mets news to present to you right now. But don't worry, that'll change in about a week or so when they start pl- playing spring training games, they start doing the World Baseball Classic and whatnot. My next podcast will be about football and will be about the Super Bowl, my my thoughts on it and what the Giants should what players the Giants should be looking for in the draft if they don't decide to trade for T Higgins. And the linebackers on the market, I really like it. Same with the cornerbacks. I also want to drop a, just like I did with the goals versus Planet Fitness, kind of like a, a non-sports related podcast episode. I want to do another one of those this week. I don't know what the topic will be yet. I haven't decided, but that will be towards the end of the week. My next baseball podcast will probably be next week. Unless something major happens. I want to talk about Cooperstown. Went to Cooperstown this week. I know I told you guys that I was going to spend some time talking about Cooperstown on this episode. I know my last episode I said when I come back, I'm going to drop a podcast on Monday. I'm going to talk about Cooperstown. I was going to. But then I saw on Fox Sports a few hours before I did my podcast the news of how they were doing the runner on second permanently. And I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about the rules going into the season, the changes in rules MLB's making. I'll save the Cooperstown for the next podcast. So the next MLB podcast, the next the next Mets baseball podcast, I should say, will be about Cooperstown, what I loved about it. Uh, I loved everything about it, but I'm going to tell you some of the highlights. I want to talk to you about why Keith Hernandez should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm putting an article on it. Tomorrow morning, I have it typed out. It's in my drafts. I'm going to post it tomorrow morning. So please check out my website, Kessler Sports Talk. I have an article on why Keith Hernandez should be in the Hall of Fame. And and he really should. I mean, you guys should read the article. It's good stuff there. But I want to, I'm not going to repeat myself. I'm going to talk about other things in the pot, like other career numbers on his part. In the, in the podcast and I'm not going to spend too much time on it but after talking about my time in Cooperstown I want to briefly on the next podcast talk about why Keith Hernandez should be in Cooperstown and again I, you, if you read my article you'll see I put it in there I'm not just saying that because I'm a Mets fan he really belongs in there so I won't, I won't spend the whole episode on it because I don't want to repeat myself based on the article and I'll try to use different numbers from what I use in the article. So if you read the article, it's not this, you're not listening to the same thing. I'll, 
I'll still talk about why Keith Hernandez should be in the Hall of Fame, just like the article, but I'll use different topic points and 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 numbers. So it's it's not the same thing for you guys. But again, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. Next time you get the nice intro of the newly updated the Charles Kessler, the uh, Charlie Kessler show. See, I'm I'm saying Charles Kessler because I'm so I'm so used to it. But next show you'll get the the nice new introduction of the Charlie Kessler show. But again, thank you all for listening and have a great night.